Blog Talk Radio. Unforgettable John Lennon, and that is a great tribute to our fabulous guest today, Jude Sutherland Kessler. Welcome to the final installment of the Pepper Mind set, a celebration of the Beatles' 50th anniversary release of that iconic concept, some say yes, some say no, album. That was that pretty much blew everyone's minds 50 years ago. And even recently, the remastered release of Sgt. Pepper is blowing minds right now. I am your co-host, Penny Lena, the author of the Recipe Records Cookbook series, which you can take a peek at on my website, www.lenastag.com. My adorable co-host, your Pepperland principal, Sean Gaylord, and I welcome you. Thank you so much for the outstanding reception that we've had to this radio series concept album, which has, which is the brainchild of this principal from North Carolina, Sean Gaylord. I have a, want to give Sean a huge thanks for this brilliant display that has been the Pepper Mindset. We would also like to thank our fabulous engineer, Jeff Emmerich, I mean Rand Kessler, for providing our audio, and Nicole at 910 Public Relations for the fabulous guidance and support along this long and winding road, I must say. Also, we want to thank Jay Kelly Art for our super groovy logo. Uh, we are completely peppered to announce that the Pepper Mindset Show Series has been picked up by an AM-FM radio in southern Colorado, 890 Yesterday is a an all Beatles radio station. It's America's only all Beatles radio station. And they are going to broadcast all five of these archived episodes next week as part of a, a five-part series to celebrate Sgt. Pepper. You can check out 890 Yesterday on their website, which is 890yesterday.com. They're on all the social media, Facebook, etc. This station also presents syndicated shows by Dennis Mitchell, his Breakfast with the Beatles, which I have 
been on a couple of times, and so has Jude. Um, and also Ken Michaels' Every Little Thing. So it is an extreme honor to be asked to have our show broadcast to millions of listeners out there. So if you are on social media, uh, be sure you check out all of the posts and, and such coming up so that you know what time the broadcasts will be um, aired. Also, if you check out Amazon tomorrow on Kindle, you can get a free copy of Recipe Records, a culinary tribute to the Beatles. It is free for the next two days to sell in celebration of Sgt. Pepper's 50th anniversary. So be sure you load down, download, whatever, your copy of Recipe Records, a culinary tribute to the Beatles. We have two very distinguished guests on the show today, Jude Sutherland Kessler, John Lennon expert and author of the John Lennon series. We also have Ed Chapman, who is joining us from Manchester, England, which is a delight. So we will be chatting with those two soon. I am going to attempt to connect with Sean. Hello, Sean. Are you there? Hello, Penny, Lena. It is cold up here on our virtual Savile Row Apple Studios rooftop. How are you doing, pal? I am doing fabulous. I'm keeping warm with uh, this lovely fur coat that George Harrison passed off to me. Really? Well, I am borrowing Maureen uh, Starkey's uh, uh, red Mac. Uh, Ringo's a little cold back there, but... Uh, you know, we're only up here for just a little bit. <laughs> it's great to be here, and it's great to, to jam with you for our fifth and final um, installment of the Pepper Mindset radio series. I'm very excited and honored to be on 890 yesterday, um, next week, and that is very, very exciting. And while I am here, I'm going to attempt to do I'm going to attempt to emulate a little bit of John Lennon, uh, thanking everyone on behalf of the group for, and I hope, we hope we passed the audition, and we definitely <laughs> hope we did it. And we 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 really need to give a tremendous shout out um, to a very special person uh, who th this all wouldn't have happened uh, if it not had been for Nicole Michael, who truly is uh, she is our executive producer, she is our Brian Epstein, she is our George Martin. All you know, our norm and our shake all rolled up in one, and I cannot, um, I cannot thank her enough. And and I, and I think it all kind of this whole thing started really on social media with a certain Pepperland principal uh, who who was attempting on Boxing Day to celebrate uh, the anniversary of Magical Mystery Tour, 
and I tweeted it out, and Nicole picked up on that, and that's what started uh, an incredible conversation and led me to you, Penny Lena, and led us on this journey in celebrating the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper, which, if we play our cards right with our second guest, um, it'll be midnight, and we'll be able to ring in the 50th anniversary uh, officially uh, with our friends in England and, and all over the world and kick that off. So it's just a pleasure being here, and, and, and very fab, I may say. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. So I um we we do have a lot of really exciting things to chat about today and I want to go ahead and get us connected with our first guest, the awesome. lovely Jude Sutherland Kessler. She is a John Lennon expert and the author of the John Lennon series. Uh there are very few authors um, out there that research their subjects as diligently as Ms. Kessler. Her ethics and integrity are unmatchable. I am always in awe of this brilliant w- woman, just absolutely on a, fa- on a daily basis. She's, uh, she has three books in her John Lennon series, and her fourth is due later this year. You can check out her books at JohnLennonSeries.com. She's on all the social media, so please follow her and uh, follow her tweets. She has the best tweets. She's so, so uh, clever. So I'm going to see if we can connect with my dear friend Jude. And hello, Jude. Are you there? I am here, and I want to say to both you and Sean, how very much I appreciate this opportunity to be back with you again. It has been a wonderful lead-up to a momentous occasion. Who would have thought that we would be ringing in the 50th year of Sgt. Pepper together? It's a great, great experience, and I am very warm on our virtual rooftop because John just sang Mr. Moonlight and looked right at me. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) <laughs> that's adorable that is that truly is lady jude it is great to to have you here and, and thankfully uh you did not fall off the roof because i was able to grab you as you were you know uh swooning into beatlemania um for yeah. our wonderful mr moonlight uh opening so it's always a great song and it's always it, and it's great to have you back lady jude i was in uh, my local Barnes and Noble, and I always go to the music section first uh, for books. And um, noticed that uh, none of your books were there, and I made a point. I did. Uh, I wanted to kind of surprise you with this uh, on the air. I did make a point to to go to um, the manager on duty and and requested that your books uh, be be prominently displayed and ordered so that more can can partake in this historic series. I, I actually kind of did that with several of the 910 books, but uh, that, that that's a big plug there. But I really wanted to, uh, to celebrate you, and, and I'm glad that we can celebrate this together, my friend. Well, thank you so very much. I'm on barnesandnoble.com, but when you are with an indie publisher, it's very, very difficult for you to make it in the world of big bookstores. But that was extremely sweet, and I am chuffed as they say in Liverpool, that the three of us are going to be living next week in southern Colorado with 890 yesterday, 
Cool, guys. Thank you very much for bringing us up to that Rocky Mountain High and letting us be a part of your celebration of Sgt. Pepper. We love it. Absolutely. And and the that uh, that little expression, Chuck, is a great segue to to Liverpool and you know that really Liverpool is not only was the the origins of of all four of the Beatles but it's it's the origin of of, of Sergeant Pepper so to speak and you know Jude on this important anniversary week for for Pepper and again 50 years I just can't believe it and looking back in retrospect what made it so unique among Beatles LPs was it just the music or was there something more? You know, Sean, this week, I think the the word that's going to be on everybody's tongue is unique or avant-garde or unusual, different, uh, innovative, cutting edge. But the thing that I think we forget, because Pepper still plays as well to audiences today as it did 50 years ago. I mean, if you take the music of the 1920s, in the morning, in the evening, ain't we got fun? It doesn't play as well today. I mean, it was great when F. Scott Fitzgerald and the Great Gatsby were roaming the planet, but it doesn't quite fit today. But you take Sergeant Peppers or Mr. Kite or She's Leaving Home, and it plays just as well today. So we forget that... Really, I think the thing, the impetus that brought this baby to life was that magical year of 1967, the summer of love. And I don't know if George Martin and the people at EMI did this intentionally, if it was a PR plan or if it just happened, but to be released, you know, back in the 60s, you had that Memorial Day weekend, and that was the last day of school, that Friday before the Memorial Day weekend. So on the 1st of June, you kicked off those school shoes. You were in the grass barefoot with a sprinkler going and a popsicle in your hand. It was the first day of summer, and what a summer, the summer of love. Scott McKenzie was singing for people to come to San Francisco and wear right. those flowers in your hair, you know, the hippies. My parents had no that the summer of love was going on. And so San Francisco is where we took our family vacation that year. Jumped on the Greyhound bus. Oh, absolutely. They had no idea what we were going to. None. We're on that Greyhound bus tour of the city, and they take us to Haight-Asbury, and they let us off. And my mother is slapping her hand over my eyes every few feet. (laughs) And... The hippies are there in full regalia. I mean, everywhere, thousands of them. And there's a little-known band playing in the park, whom later, you know, I came to know as the Grateful Dead. It was such a momentous summer. But the Beatles are capturing that spirit. When they're singing She's Leaving Home, they're singing about that exodus of, of kids leaving a note and going and leaving, some of them going to work in London, of course, some of them going to San Francisco. It's a product of its age. Make love, not war. I didn't really know what that meant. I was a middle school girl, and middle school girls back in 1967 were kids. I mean, you know, it's. I think it's a little bit different today. Girls are more mature, but we were we were babies. So I didn't know anything about make love, not war, but I embroidered it on my jeans. But when Paul sang, I took her home and nearly made it, sitting on the sofa with a sister or two, I started to understand a little bit more about make love, not war. God is dead. 
you know, shocking the world, sweeping America. And I, coming from a very conservative southern town, I'm like, what? You know, what? What is this all about? This is upsetting. And when the Beatles take that and translate it into self-reliance, can't depend on anyone else, I get by with a little help from my friends, it becomes an anthem of the summer. The prevalence of LSD, I was involved, I was taking some early college programs, even back in 67. In the summer, I was taking college courses early, and there were people who were wearing American flags as uh, belts on their jeans, and there was this whole anti-Vietnam War movement, and the talk about drugs and LSD, and we see that in fixing a hole in Lucy in the Sky, even though Lucy in the Sky is not, John was adamant about the fact all through his life, even when he could have shrugged and said, well, of course, you know, it was about LSD. He was adamant that it was not about LSD. But the vision that you get in in, uh, Lucy in the Sky is definitely the kind of vision you would have in a drug-inspired vision. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know how John Donne said, no man is an island? Well, yes. No song is an island, and no LP is an island. And what Pepper is, is the voice of the summer of 67, the voice of that movement. All of your little ah, screaming teeny boppers are now growing up and going to college and becoming young men and women and being drafted and facing the pressures that the summer of 67 embodied. And no longer are they going for, I want to be your man and hold me tight and she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're talking about more serious topics, and those serious topics are right here on this LP. And, I mean, it was, it it seemed earth-shattering, but it is so much a product of the day. Um, it Stuart Sutcliffe told John, John's soulmate, his best friend, his BFF, told John, John, you're not a rock and roller, you're not a musician, you're an artist, and everything that you do with your band needs to be an artist expression. And man, if this LP isn't an artist expression, I don't know what is. They're they're no longer calling just on Chuck Berry and the Everly Brothers and Little Richard and even the black girl groups like the Shrells, but they're calling on vaudeville, music hall music, uh, like When I'm 64, that music hall theater heritage that comes from Liverpool, circus music from the benefit of Mr. Kite, um, classical music, and she's leaving home, Indian music. This is a complex LP, and that summer couldn't have been more complex. So, you know, it, 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 was, it was unique. It was different. It was innovative, but it was also just right for its time period and, and just right for today. You know, and it's and it's so timeless and and universal. And I, I, when you're done with the John Lennon nine volume biography uh, project, the I, I think your next book, or at least a screenplay, is the your your family vacation to San Francisco, the summer of love. I mean, I it, that that is just such an incredible incredible story. Um, and one of the things about 
about that album. I was excited, you know, when it was rumored uh, several weeks ago when the 50th anniversary uh, box set, which is sitting snugly here on my desk here. I, I mean, I, excuse me, it's sitting snugly here with, with us here on the rooftop uh, at Savile Road. <laughs> um, is is that album, Sgt. Pepper, almost contained two other powerful Beatles compositions, uh, which were rumored to be, you know, put back into the lineup of this box set. It, it didn't happen. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't happen back in 67 because Brian Epstein convinced George Martin to release separately on a double A-sided 45, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields. Strawberry Fields a nod to Nicole Michael. And, and as we both know, as we all know, each of these songs represent a true landmark in Beatles history as well. And, and, it, and you know, it's kind of interesting, again, and it, and that, that great synergy between Paul and John, that great compositional synergy. They're both, I mean, Strawberry Fields is in essence a John song. Penny Lane is, is a Paul song, and they're both tackling the theme of childhood in, in Liverpool. But, but it a difference in the way that this one theme is approached. Isn't that right, Jude? It's different angles, right? Big, big, big difference. And, you know, it's been a battle between Beatles scholars and Beatles fans for 50 years about whether these two songs should have been included on the LP. And many people Mm -hmm. following the George Martin camp will say, absolutely, it should have been on the LP because technologically, it sets the stage. It lets you know the kinds of things that are going to be done in the studio with sound, with different instruments, with innovation. It lays that groundwork for Sgt. Pepper. So I totally get why George Martin said that. This is so sad. It makes me sad when I read this because he wrote that not putting Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields on the Sgt. Pepper LP was the biggest mistake of his professional life. I so wish that he hadn't felt that way because that other camp, and and really I have to say that's the one I'm in, that sees these two as a unified whole, as something that the Edwardian band that Sgt. Pepper's purports to be would never have sung. And a song that is intensely, two songs that are intensely personal and biographical and really have nothing to do with the Sgt. Pepper LP, they were right to be off on their own, to be on that double A-sided 45. And so, you know, you look at both sides, and, and we are, I know we are running out of time because we have a guest calling in from England. I could talk about this all day, but let's just quickly, oh. let's just spend a few minutes on each one. Absolutely. Strawberry Fields. Oh, it's a heartbreaker, mm. that song. It it just grabs me by the heart every time I hear it because it is one of John's most personal, introspective songs. Sure is. Right by his house, when you go to Woolton, just outside of Liverpool, and you go to John's home at 251 Men Love Avenue, Men Dips, you can go right down to where the Strawberry Field, singular, Salvation mm-hmm. Army Home for Children was located. It was an orphanage. And every year to get community interest and to ask people to donate money and to support the orphanage, they would have an open house. 
And I can so see Mimi taking John's hand and saying, let me take you down, John. We're going to Strawberry Field and walking with him down there. And he was fascinated, felt a real tie with these children, felt a kindred spirit with these children. And as he gets older, he and Ivy Vaughn and and some of the guys, Pete Shotton, would jump over that wall at Strawberry Field and climb up into the trees and throw things down on people and play pranks and and smoke cigarettes and do all the things they shouldn't do. So to him, it was sort of a magical place. He's taking us, he's grabbing our hands, and he's taking us down to Strawberry Field. Or really what he's doing is he's taking us back to Strawberry Field. And those were the original words, let me take you back, because I'm going to Strawberry Fields. He changed it later to down. We're going to walk with him back into his past, back to that isolated spot where he sat in that tree, and back to this era, this time when he wasn't Beetle John, when he wasn't beloved, when he wasn't universally prized, when he was a lonely little boy who, for very complicated reasons, wasn't wanted by his mom and couldn't live with his dad, who lived with an aunt and uncle, uh, an uncle who was very kind and loving, but an aunt who was a stern disciplinarian. And he wondered in that tree why his teachers didn't like him. You know, they despise you if you're clever. Uh, they despise a fool. And why the other boys, the ones who played sports and fit into the mold, why they didn't like him. And he is all, all alone in this orphanage setting. And, you know, no matter how old John got, you can go to the White Album He is still singing about how very abandoned he was by his parents. And when he meets Fred Lennon in April of 1964, he's making A Hard Day's Night, and Fred shows up at the NIMS offices, and the first thing he says to him is, where have you been for the last 20 years? Where have you been? It's not really 20 years, but that's what he says. Where have you been all my life? Why did you abandon me? Why was I all alone? So he's singing this song about his isolation, about the fact that he always felt different, not only because he didn't have a family, but because he was intellectually different. And and ah, oh, here's the line, this little boy saying, no one, I think, is in my tree. I mean, it, it must be high or low. I mean, does that break your heart? It, you know, it, is, no, it is. It just aches the heart. Oh. It, it, it just, you know, no one, I think, is in my tree. It's just so very sad. He always felt like he was, something was wrong with him. He told, you know, that Playboy interview, he says, I thought I was crazy because I saw things that other people didn't see. But, and here's the big however, if you listen to the words of the song, he didn't think he was wrong. He just thought he was different, not wrong, because he goes on to say that living the way most people do, living with their eyes half shut or closed all the way, is misunderstanding all you see, whereas he felt that he was understanding all you see. And he kind of pats those people on the back. He he definitely thinks they're not seeing what he's seeing, but he thinks, as he said later about a group of people, they're dull and thick and ordinary. I'm sure you remember that comment. But he kind of pats them on the back and says, it's all right. It's not so bad. 
But you know what? He doesn't believe that because he definitely believes that his vision, seeing everything is the right way to go. And the more he finds out that he sees things that others don't see and he doesn't fit in and no one's in his tree and he's all alone, he begins to need a form of escape from the pain that he feels. Maybe drugs, maybe alcohol, maybe reading books, which he did constantly, maybe being alone by himself. And nothing seems to work. And so he begins to pull away more and more and more from reality. He goes back or down to a strawberry field, and that anchors him. And through this very strange song that has Ringo's drumbeat rather irregular and melting into the Mellotron, that has irregular cellos, that sounds very distant and ethereal, the one thing that you can cling on to and grip on to is John singing, Strawberry Fields Forever. Strawberry Fields Forever. That's what he has to hold on to. The sound of his voice, the sound of his music, his songs, his band, his music, and that alone anchors him. So, man, this is a sad, lonely childhood song about someone trying to find a possible way to live in an impossible world. Not so with Paul. Paul in Penny Lane (laughs) is grounded. He's walking down the street at the roundabout, just very close to John's house in Woolton, close to his house in Allerton. He's looking at the sights, and not only is he telling you about his hometown, but he's beginning to spin some stories about his hometown. Paul loved to tell you stories about things that you didn't see. A lady who wants to hire a driver, and at the end of his story, you find out hmm, she doesn't even have a car. He loved a strange twist. So as he brings you down to his Liverpool, he starts to tell you about a nurse, a scientific medical lady who should be very practical, who feels as if she's in a play, and a banker, a, a man of logic and numbers who refuses to wear a raincoat, even in the pouring rain, not a drizzle or shower, but in the pouring rain, and whom little children laugh at behind his back. A fireman who's supposed to be so savvy that he saves lives, but he uses an hourglass to tell time, and who likes to keep his fire engine clean. Very strange. All of these people are just a little bit weird, and Paul signals it because he starts the song off in this real major sounding chord, but then the drums drop out, the minor key comes in, and he shares a sordid little secret with you about each and every person in the song. What you're doing with Paul is you're time traveling, you're going back. He's not only sharing Liverpool with you, but he's beginning to tell you yarns and stories about the people who existed there. And it seems like a happy, simple little ditty. But, of course, with Macca, nothing was ever, ever, ever simple. John would say, listen, man, you're doing the thing to death. Just do it extemporaneously. But Paul never did that. And he puts in... George on lead, Ringo on drums, John on rhythm, four flutes, two piccolos, a flugelhorn, a handbell, trumpets, a double bass, two oboes, George Martin playing the piano, hand claps, even scat in the background. It takes him 
almost 30 days to record this simple little ditty. But he does it, George Martin tells us, because they had just finished recording Strawberry Fields, and Paul said, anything John can do, I can do better. (laughs) And this is his Liverpool. No way, Sean, that I think those two songs belong with the Edwardian band on Sgt. Pepper, but what could be more magnificent than this double A-sided 45? It's Liverpool's tribute right there. You've you've totally convinced me. I mean, seriously, because I was always of the in the George Martin camp. Like, why weren't those two songs on that album? And it it the way that you framed it, the double A A sided single, really stands as as like a it's a prequel. It's it's a um, it, it's almost like a short story. It's it's the short story to the Pepper novel, if you will. And yeah. and I, I love and the English teacher in me is just melting right now because you just mm-hmm. did such an incredible uh, sharp uh, literary analysis of, of of both those tunes and uh, I'm I'm just overjoyed right now but you you've totally convinced me because I, I was kind of bummed that you know oh well Strawberry Field has got to come before fixing a hole and or take out this but no it it it, mm-hmm. it stands on its own as its own little mini um, mini epic. Beautifully stated. They're your free download of Recipe Records, a culinary tribute to the Beatles. You download that for the next two days, and you read it, and you go, oh, my gosh, this is more than a cookbook. This is um, rock and roll facts and rock and roll stories, and I love it. And then what do you do? You go back and you buy Recipe Records and Recipe Records 60 edition. And that is exactly what George Martin is doing And with Brian <laughs> twisting his arm. He's saying, if you like this, come back. We've got an LP for you you're going to love. And, of course, everybody swarms it. And that's actually you know, a great the segue. Best argument. To... Yeah. <laughs> that's a great appetizer there, if I, if I can keep in with the culinary delights. <laughs> Jude Kessler, you are. I'm just. Uh, I'm just chuffed and and smiling and so grateful for you mm-hmm. to come back to the Pepper Mindset. It's great to have you up here on our virtual rooftop. I am. I am looking forward to, to just more fabulousness from you. And thank you so much for for being our champion and cheerleader. And and thank you for um, validating my opinion on Mr. Moonlight. I I have loved every minute of it. And, Sean, I'm going to throw the gauntlet down as I say goodbye. I'll see you and beautiful Penny Lena for the White Album. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you, my dear, dear friend. Thank you so much, guys. Have fun talking to Ed and tell him that I said hello and I miss Liverpool. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jude. All righty. Bye-bye. Goodbye. For the benefit of Mr. Kite, there will be a show tonight on trampoline. The Hendersons will all be there. Pablo, All right. Well, we are so ready to connect with our next guest all the way from Manchester, England, Ed Chapman, a renowned mosaic artist who, along with his brother, Ivan, founded Youngerman 
art, you can check out Ed's art at www.youngerman-art.com. Ed has a really huge connection to the Beatles as his mother, who was also a distinguished artist, went to art college with John Lennon and his best friend Stu. So we are I'm going to attempt to get connected. Hello, Ed. Are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I Hello. can. Very good connection. You have a better connection yeah, than I do. <laughs> Thank you so much. I know that you are nearing the midnight hour in Manchester. So thank you very much for taking the effort to be on our show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And I I have to tell you on behalf of all of your Beatle friends in the the states, we all are thinking of your city and uh with our thoughts and prayers after the tragedy there and wish you all uh much love. Thank you very much. We all appreciate it. I I am going to see if our co host, the Pepperland principal, is still connected. Uh Sean, are you still there? I am still here on the rooftop with you and Ed, the virtual rooftop, and it's great to, to have you up great. here with us. <laughs> nice to speak to you, Sean. Likewise, my friend, and uh, I cannot think of a more apt lead-in song for you than being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, which is uh, primarily a... A John tune off the Sgt. Pepper album, and as as some of us may or may not know, that the inspiration for that song uh, was very visual. So visual um, that John later admitted that he pretty much lifted the song from an antique circus poster, and that fits in beautifully um, with with your your work as a as a graphic uh, guru and and. Uh, Mosaic uh, Maestro, and I don't even know where I came up with that alliteration. Maybe too much coffee, uh, but but again, it's great it's great to have you here. Um, and and having looked at um, some of your work online, and and just deeply impressed. And and if you're ever uh, in the states and you're looking for a schoolhouse to lend your artistic talents. I've got, a, I've got a certain middle school here that I'm the principal of in, in North Carolina, and I would love for, uh, for you to, to, to do something if, if, we're, if our paths ever cross in person. It would be great. Well, that's a great invitation. Thanks again. And uh, um, it's certainly something I have done, and uh, it's very, uh, the mosaics are very accessible to um, children, pupils and students of all ages really depending on what they want to do so um yes I, I, I certainly would be would be wonderful yes uh, it's very interesting um here on the uh, the roof i uh I feel um, I should be wearing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm wearing. I, I, well, John's walrus outfit, or was it Paul? Um, uh, <laughs> when it's the outfit, whoever's it was. <laughs> That's it, great. it is wool and and and, and warm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're you're we're we're all in good company up here. Um, 
explain for our listeners, and 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 Lena hinted at this, and and I'm sure you you've shared the story before, but but explain for our listeners your connection, your personal connection um, to the Beatles. Well, um, we had the actually, funnily enough, the only album we had. My parents made they. My mother. Let me start. My mother knew um, she was at art college in Liverpool with Stuart and John in the same classes um, for painting, certainly, and um, later lived with Stuart. They were boyfriend and girlfriend for a time and lived very close to the uh, art college just across the road, sort of, if you know, by the cathedral. It's it's a matter of yards away. And um, one, uh, they, they knew John, of course, and uh, he'd been round and um, he was living with Mimi, but he'd been kicked out or asked to leave by Mimi, his Aunt Mimi. And um, Stuart one day said to my mother, Margaret, um, is it okay if my friend John moves in? And um, he, uh, <laughs> she um, I sort of thought about it, I think, and uh, knew John from college and where he was, he was a certain type of individual, uh, quite brash and always mm. had a cutting remark if uh, the female students perhaps more so were walking past and he was witty and could be put, very much putting you down, and uh, but she nonetheless said, oh, "That's all right. Yes, he can." And uh, he he moved in, and um, and she was even wary when the first time they were alone together, she and John were alone, and um, yet found him completely unlike his uh, college persona, if that's what it was. Uh, that he had a really polite, middle class, even you know. Uh, side to him or uh, that was the how he actually was a a, a decent um young man and um and he uh he stayed there for a, a while i think he stayed there until he moved to hamburg to um on one of the uh, tours i presume the first tour they did there um so he was there for a while and they they knew each other very well as as uh, students wow that's uh so so that you amazing. grew up with, with, with. I mean, I, I can just imagine you, you and your, your family sitting around uh, the, the, the breakfast table, and, and perhaps you have the radio on, and um, you know, "Love Me Do" comes on, or "Imagine" by John, or whatever, and, and, and your mom's going, "Oh yeah, I, I, I knew that bloke." <laughs> well, she, 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 we knew that she knew them, but um, and, and she knew Paul and and uh, and George as well. Uh, who used to come round and they'd play Monopoly and um, they'd come in up, up oh. the back fire escape for some reason, climb in through the window. And, uh, I, 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 the bathroom I don't window? Ask me why, but I, that's, I, I thought it might be. <laughs> um, and uh, they, they would cheat, um, just ridiculously cheat at Monopoly. So she had a lifelong dislike <laughs> of the game, I think, based on playing oh. with the Beatles at Monopoly. Um, but um, oh. we, we uh, she did, she didn't really like to talk about it. She didn't really broadcast it, and um, she was busy with her own paintings. And and right. we'd say, or oh, what was the, you know, ask her questions, and she'd tell us, but she didn't. Um, sort of triumph it in any way, uh, but she, she, I think she really liked John and 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 George and Paul as well, um, who were all very polite, as I say. And um, she's very upset when John uh, died as well. He was, she hadn't seen him for a long time, but uh, it was uh, like like a lot of us uh, really, uh, you know, you know, had an effect, uh, let's say. And uh, um, yeah, we the, the album. Uh, 
was the, the album that we we I knew earliest, in fact, and it's not um, perhaps as well known um, as the the album. Certainly well known now, but the songs aren't uh, as well known. Some of the, there aren't singles necessarily from the album, like there is um, "She Loves You" or "I Want to Hold Your Hand" and, and things like that. Um, Hard Day's Night, Help, and even the later ones like "Hey Jude." Um, but that was the album that we had uh, most on the turntable, I would say, in our house. Yeah. Wow, that's great, and and obviously, um, you know, her her influence. And I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here. You know, led led to you pursuing your dreams and and passion for for art. Correct. Yeah, very much so. My father was also at the college, um, albeit I think a year later he started, uh, and um, he he was a sculptor, so he's a sculptor. And um, so growing up in a house where both parents are a visual artists and trained it as such, and uh, um, you, you didn't realize at the time, but um, the, there was art materials all around and painting going on. And, and my father used to make, he was an art teacher. He, he would make the school play props and stuff like that. So there was always, um, as on reflection, a lot of creativity happening and there was no shortage of materials. So if you're ever drawing something, you knew you could ask one of your parents to help you out, or they would probably say draw it yourself. Um, but um, you, they, they would have ideas and, and, and really, really encourage um, it without forcing it on us either. Actually, any of my me and my siblings. So um, it was a very good creative environment. Yeah. Well, and, tell us. You know, um, tell us. A, I'm sorry. Oh no! Go <laughs> ahead, Lena. I was gonna. I was gonna ask Ed to. Uh, to describe uh, some of your work and, yeah. and perhaps what influenced you on on some of the specific pieces. Oh well, um, very um, sort of short summary would be that my my brother Ivan was uh, doing a art project that involved making a portrait from tearing up uh, magazines and reassembling the torn pieces into a portrait and I think it was James Dean the first one he had a go at and I was very interested just seeing it coming together um, and uh, I thought I'll have a go myself and, uh, and, I, and I was quite pleased with the result and it wasn't great but it was sufficiently good for me to want to continue and um, and I did, and uh, I, that was more than 20 years ago now. So I started with torn up paper for a number of years and then moved on to ceramic. And I thought at that time, believe it or not, despite Andy Warhol, there wasn't that, having been around, obviously, there wasn't that many people doing um, portraits of icons as serious sort of um, fine art. And uh, now we see it quite well a heck of a lot now um i remember um i'd always i john lennon would be the probably the second one i did um and um someone actually bought it so i was very encouraged early on and uh um but getting the those iconic works into galleries was difficult but um increasingly got um the sort of a trend maybe not the case in america actually um, I always found America more receptive, but um, in, certainly in, in England uh, it was quite difficult in the early days. But I thought icons as people of whom I, you know, I'm a fan of, um, 
then uh, this is a good subject uh, to do. And I think they work well as portraits, uh, mosaics, uh, modern portraits. I'm very much a fan of the old style, Greek and Roman and, and others. Um, and I thought, well, let's try and do them in a, in a modern way. And uh, I've stuck with that, really, um, throughout. I've done non-iconic, but they tend to be mosaics of famous people uh, done in now various materials, paper, ceramic and stone tile, coins, even uh, vinyl records and uh, Jimi Hendrix I've made out of plectrums from Fender. Um, so there's, um, yes, no end to them, really. It's it's amazing, and I, uh, I but before we got on, I was able to uh, do a virtual. Before we got on the roof, I, I did a virtual visit to your gallery, and it is such an eclectic group of. Uh, I mean, I see Dolly, I see Hendrix, I, I see Lemmy. May he rest in peace. Um, I just see some great some great things. So, it, it, and and they are so iconic. Um, do you and you know we're, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of, of Sergeant Pepper and uh, I mean John, John was an art student. Uh, St- Stuart Sutcliffe is is pictured in that that iconic cover. But you know per- perhaps uh, w- you know with your artist um, appraisal, what is your kind of take on on that iconic album cover? And, and maybe iconic is too big of a word to use in this context, but. But what, just kind of give us maybe an assessment of of the cover. Mm. Well, I, 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 where do you start with it? I mean, I, I, I think the, the the average price in in England for a, an album cover, um, and you're talking the Rolling Stones and the Kinks and the the Who and and, and really great bands. Um, but the money, I think, I, maybe it's almost an afterthought. I mean, I'm sure it would. No, no, I'm not amend that, but. Anyway, the point is that the albums only cost in the region of fifty pounds, and I think I think the um, Pepper cost four thousand pounds. That shows the level of what was put into it. I think um, just a fantastic idea. I think it was Paul's idea, actually. The uh, I think I've seen a sketch of all the figures that they wanted, and, and I, I just think it's. Uh, um, fascinating, uh, endlessly fascinating to go back and look at, and you tend to always see something new in there. Um, whether it be even the guitar made out of flowers, which uh, to some extent leads to the Paul is dead, um, as some fans may know. Um, Sonny Liston on there is a waxwork Diana Dawes, a famous English uh, model of the time, or a bit earlier by then, um, and and the Beatles, of course, in, in their earlier guise. Um, and then Lauren Hardy, uh, you know, Stuart Sutcliffe's on there. Um, I think Oscar Wilde's on there. And you get, and then you the ones you don't know, and um, you're forever learning, I suppose, from it as well. And I just think it's uh, a fantastic piece of work, uh, artwork by Peter Blake, and much imitated since, I think. And uh, um, there you are. I think the, 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 the album cover itself took sort of made a statement of what what is going to be on the record perhaps something very new and interesting yeah and and you've got the you, you know and it, and it does i mean when you put it in your hands it does feel it does feel like an, a, a piece of art that you're holding i mean the cover itself you've got the gatefold um and i, I read something really interesting about that gatefold uh, that very famous gatefold picture it was in the latest issue of uh Mojo magazine with 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 Paul, and he he revealed mm. that the four of them 
took that picture, they kind of huddled together and said, let's really look at the camera with with love. Let, let's really connect with whomever's looking at this. And, and I just thought mm. that was such a spot on. And when you look at that picture, it's like, oh, wow, these are four guys that, uh, that love me, you know, and these are four, you know, four guys that, that are inviting us into this, this wild world of, of, of pepper in, in your particular, particular work. Um, uh, and, and, and looking at your just stunning gallery and I'm right now I'm, I'm, I'm gazing at your, um, your Ziggy Stardust, um, Another late great who is just so desperately missed right now, David Bowie. Still can't believe that that mm. that he's gone. Um, is there a particular um, intent that you have in in, in picking um, particular subjects uh, like like Bowie? I mean, these these are all iconic folks. Well, that's it, really. I think they are uh, um, such appealing figures and interesting figures that. Um, um, someone like Bowie just goes beyond music. Uh, he was interested in so many things. I uh, think it's remarkable what he did um, with his stage performance and personas. Um, the um, number of great songs from the 1970s, particularly uh, that he had, and then well, and later as well, of course. And um, so I think I choose people I admire in um, not just for perhaps what they do, they're an inspiration in more than music in his case. Uh, I know he, he was very interested in art and did art as well. Um, just they, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix, just sublime on the guitar. Uh, Dali, um, Salvador Dali, uh, fascinating, strange, uh, brilliant artist, painter. Um, so they are very, very inspiring. And um, so I suppose there is a fondness for most, if not all, of them. Really, um, that's that's uh, a pleasure to do them for that reason as well. Yeah, and it and it really it really shows. Um, do you have a particular favorite track since we're talking about Sergeant Pepper? Is there a particular track that stands out in honor of the 50th anniversary for you, Ed? I, th I think um, A Day in the Life, which is probably um, most probably very often said is the, the favorite track, is an incredible song, incredible um, piece of art, I suppose, um, as well. Um, nothing mm -hmm. quite like it, maybe before certainly before maybe not since um and uh but i think i think i was thinking about it. i think um i would have to say lucy in the sky with diamonds actually sums up the what was about to happen or the um the the psychedelic summer of love feel um it's a it can visualize that song somehow and um i think it's a fantastic chorus as well um incredibly sung. I know that I think John's vocal is speeded up a little bit, but um, what a great singer anyway. And um, th that's a song I'd, I think resonates for me, um, whatever the uh, the, the uh, source of the title. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, there's some conjecture, um, but I know, also... I know. If I'm only joking. Yeah, I know, pal. It it does kind of uh, you know that song did originate also from another uh, uh, a minor work of of art by a certain Julian Lennon. Um, mm. But 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 you know, man, here I am with all these art references. I tell you, it's some, something's in this coffee I'm drinking up here on the rooftop. Um, 
<laughs> Ed Chapman, it is uh, it is truly uh, a pleasure to have you here with us. Uh, I am going to hold you uh, to being an artist in residence uh, at my school here in, in North Carolina. We we actually have a, a, a wonderful contemporary art uh, scene here in in the triad area of North Carolina. And, and, and if you're looking for a museum to peddle your wares and, and to show your greatness, hopefully uh, uh, a museum like Sika or, or the Rinalda, Rinalda House uh, yeah. will, will, will be on your map. So um, truly an yeah. honor to speak with you, and, and thank you for coming by, man. Thank you, Sean. Just before I go, you mentioned map. I, I just want to make fans aware of the um, the print that uh, I've been part of Please, creating, yes. um, which which is um, it's called the Blueprint for Beatles, um, the success Ooh. of the Beatles, and it's a map. It's a, a hand drawn map based on the real streets of Liverpool, based around the cavern. Um, it's only just come out in a limited edition, and and uh, really delighted to, uh, to say, Sir Paul McCartney owns the first in the edition. It's an edition of 450, and uh, Sir Paul received his via um, his offices in Soho Square in London, and he's delighted with it. And uh, a note was included from me and uh, my brother Ivan, who uh, co-created this under the name Youngerman. I'm sure it's something that the fans um, would like to look at and find their favourite song in the streets of Liverpool. The Hard Day's Night Hotel in, in around the corner from the cavern actually have one as well. They've they've acquired one, and it's up in there. But uh, if for those who can't make it to Liverpool every every year or every week, um, it's it's available to buy as a, as a limited edition print. And uh, um, as I say, I would like to think it's from fans for fans of, of the Beatles uh, it's, uh, it's, it's on the uh, Youngerman website um, which is youngerman-art.com and uh, you'll see, see it on there as I say Sir Paul has the first one and uh, um, let's hope the fans like it oh man that uh, what, what an honour uh, to, to receive that accolade from Sir Paul and and uh, more importantly, what an honor for him to have the first print of, and it's Blueprint for, say the title again? It's the Blueprint for the uh, Beatles, Beatles Blueprint, simply. Um, it's, oh, uh, all you it. need is Liverpool is, is on there, and, and all the, it's real, it's a real map um, from the period, and um, so there's real landmarks, but there's Epstein Street and um, Hay Bulldog Square and things like that. You know, um, all, all the names, Pepper Place and, and things like that. Like, um, it's a good fun, fun thing to look at, but it's it's based on you know uh, real roads where they where they started out. So it's like their blueprint mm-hmm. as they were coming together, playing at the Cavern more than two hundred times and all that. So. Uh, um, it's uh, both a geographically correct and um, musically correct, I, I think. So, uh, like I say, I hope it's um, something fans would like to see, I'm sure. Absolutely. And uh, my, my dream is to to travel to Liverpool someday, so I will, uh, I will secure a copy of that limited edition, and I will definitely not be a nowhere man with that artwork in my hands. <laughs> 
know, you, you can work, you can find your way around. Some of the roads are actually there is a road around the corner from the cabin called John Street, so that remained on North John Street. Um, so that's where the Hard Days Night Hotel is, in fact. So you can use it as a real map as well, should you wish to. Um, <laughs> and anyone in Liverpool will help. They'll all help you where, wherever you want to go. They're very friendly. Well, uh, perhaps uh, I, I can use it as a map, and then um, when, again, I'm, I'm working on this artist in residence thing, man. Um, when you come mm. to my school, we'll, we'll, we'll have a special copy on display in the front hall of our school, and, and uh, we'll, the, kids, the kids would really dig that. So I'm, 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 yeah, I think, I'm I think always networking. I think uh, yeah. Yeah, no problem, no problem, Sean. I'll take you up on that invitation. It's uh, very good of you, and uh, I think the kids will like it. It's a very, uh, um, yeah, it's just a, a, a nice, um, you know, non-serious, but it's uh, it's a fun thing after all. But it's uh, it's it's done with um, you know um, love, let's say. So uh, well, I hope you have to like to. it. That's what it comes yeah. down to, and. Uh, Love is something that uh, united the Beatles, and that was part of their vision, and they gave us a lot of love, and, and uh, you were able to uh, return the favor um, and, and to keep spreading that message and vision with your, with your artworks.